0: What's going on, family? Pastor Sergio Chavez reporting live and direct to you and yours. And listen, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to my Hope Center podcast, Your place for motivation, hope, and empowerment. There was a recent study, a couple of recent studies actually that have been uh, that have come out already that are showing that the two pandemics that we are currently dealing with today, both COVID and the pandemic of racism, right now have increased levels of stress, anxiety, depression, and racial tension. Listen to what these studies have found. 36% of respondents reported turning to higher doses of drugs and alcohol to cope with the stressors. One in five respondents reported having more disagreements than usual with their partners. 31% of respondents reported being more irritable. 43% of of, uh, respondents reported feeling on edge and nervous every single day. And 65% of respondents reported that it is now more common for people to express racist views. Let's be honest, guys. Compared to any of the recent years, past years that we have experienced, these last few months have hit us in such a way that it has been mind-blowing, has been aggravating for many of us. We've been hit hard, not just emotionally, but some of us even physically, others of us spiritually. And we've often found ourselves praying that God would intervene in the midst of the mess and of the chaos. I don't know about you, but I've been praying that prayer. God, would you just do something right now? Would you just end it right now? Enough is enough, you know, we get the message, God. (laughs) But as believers, we have the advantage of knowing that God is able to work all things together for the good of those who love him. But how many of you also know that that is easier to say than it is to believe, especially during hard times? Oftentimes it's our greatest moments in our faith that produce the testing of our faith. So we experience these highs in our faith journey and then right after we come out of that high, we are met by opposition, we are met by a testing of our faith. We see this all throughout scripture. The times that we are living now are not not new to what we are seeing. We see this also in scripture. For example, God promised Abraham a son and after he gives him Isaac, he then says, now I want you to sacrifice him. Job was a wealthy man who believed in God and yet when he gets tested, he loses absolutely everything. David, after being anointed king and having defeated Goliath, we now see him him being persecuted by King Saul, the very man whom he protected. Esther, after being chosen as queen by the Pharaoh among hundreds of other women that could have been chosen, she was selected, but she now finds herself in the palace where Haman, Haman, who is the king's right hand, wants to kill her people. Mary, after being given the gift of carrying the Son of God, is met with a doubting Joseph. Peter, after walking with Jesus and experiencing the miraculous of walking out on water when Jesus calls him out, denies Jesus three times after he's been crucified. And Jesus himself, after performing great miracles, great signs and great wonders, is crucified by the very people whom he came to save. And we don't have to look too far in our present day. How often have we had conversations with people that have transformed their lives, gone on vacations that have strengthened our marriages, said prayers that have led people to Christ. We've had opportunities to to get back on our nutrition grind to grind so that our health would be good, only to be hit with something so unexpected that it knocks our world around. And I don't know about you, but it's really hard for me in the midst of my pain and in the midst of my loss and in the midst of my frustration to understand what God is doing. So the question that we often turn to, or at least that I often find myself asking and especially the question that I am asking today, right now in my daily prayer is, God, what are you doing? So today's message is entitled, God, what are you doing? Go ahead and type that in the chat. God, what are you doing? In my pain, what are you doing? In my loss, what are you doing? In the tension, what are you doing? Everything was going well and now COVID came and hit my family. Everything was going well. COVID came and took my job. Everything was going well. And now the racial tension has caused me to lose some friends. Everything was going well, but now I'm having conversations that I'm not comfortable having oftentimes with people. And so now I find myself in this place where I am asking God, what are you doing? There was a man in the Bible, the prophet Elijah, who also, I believe, asked this exact same question after things didn't turn out the way that he had expected them. I want to give you some context. You see in the first book of Kings, chapter 18, if we start there, the prophet Elijah challenges 450 prophets of Baal. Baal during this time is the predominant God of the Canaanite religion. He is the storm God. He is the one that produces rain to make the ground fertile. And the the land of Samaria during this time hadn't seen any rain. They had been experiencing a drought for three and a half years. And so then here comes the prophet Elijah and he challenges them. He says, let's see whose God is real. Let's both build an altar, a sacrifice. And whichever God answers by fire, that is the real God. And so here the prophets begin to prepare their sacrifice and they pray day and night asking Baal, 450 prophets asking Baal to show up and to consume their sacrifice with fire. And absolutely nothing happens. And then comes the prophet Elijah and says, okay, now it's my turn. He prepares his sacrifice. He prepares the altar. He says, you know what, matter of fact, let me get all this water and just drench. We said he's gonna consume it by fire, right? So let me just drench everything here in water to prove how awesome, how powerful my God is. Let me add a little extra on there. And then the Bible says that he prayed. And as soon as he prayed, God, If I am your servant, and you are God, turn the hearts of your people back to you. The Bible says that a fire came from heaven and consumed not just the sacrifice, the offering, the altar, everything, leaving absolutely nothing behind it, even licked the water clean. And immediately after this happens, the Bible tells us that the people of Israel then get on their face and begin to worship God and begin to declare that he is the true and living God. So here is Elijah having this incredible, victorious moment. And all of the people's hearts are repented except for one. There was a woman in the palace who had a stronghold on the people of Israel because she was the queen. This woman goes by the name of Jezebel. And the Bible says that Jezebel had an unrepentant heart. And even though she had seen the evidence of God, that was not enough for her to turn to him. And so what she does is that she then threatens to kill Elijah within 24 hours. And so after fulfilling his prophetic responsibility, Elijah is met with the most discouraging news that his life is about to be taken. Have you ever done exactly what you were told to do only to find that it got you into trouble? Have you ever worked so hard in a position, whether it was one that you earned or one that you were placed in, you were assigned to, only to find that your success has now become a problem or a threat to the people around you? Here you are doing exactly what Elijah did. Elijah said, I have done all of these things by your word, God. In other words, you led me here you chose me you directed me you called me i could have stayed comfortable in my home in the confines of my four walls i didn't have to come out and do all of this stuff that you've been calling me to do but now here i am in trouble for doing what you've asked me to do for being a light, for standing up for justice, for speaking out against inequality, for, for, for trying to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. I'm here, I'm here doing all that I am supposed to be doing only to be met by opposition. So here's what you need to know, church. I want you to listen to me well. The day you discover what God is capable of doing through you is the day you become the biggest threat to the enemy I'm gonna say that again the day you discover what God is capable of doing through you is the day you become the biggest threat to the enemy let me tell you long before you saw the potential in yourself the devil already see- saw it in you he believed in you before you believed in yourself because he saw you developing gifts and developing talents. So the reality is, is that as a believer, there has always been a target on your back. That has never changed. But the target on your back has been to confine you to your comfort zone. As long as you stay within the four walls of your comfort zone, you are not that great of a target to the enemy. But the day you realize the power that works, the power of God that's at work in you and through you, you now become a lethal, a lethal threat. So now the devil has no other option but to plot to take you out. It's no longer I need to just keep them in their comfort zone. Now it's, oh no, I gotta take this brother out. I gotta take this sister out because now this person here is running loose and they know they have the power to expose my lies and display the glory of God. I can't have that. So now here the devil is, now here the devil is trying to take you out. So if this has been you and you're finding yourself somewhat discouraged about the circumstances that are currently taking place around you, I want to share with you two things that God is doing in moments right now of discouragement. Because we've all been there, and many of us are there right now. But God has a word for you today. In the first book of Kings, chapter 19, verses four to five, let's go there. The Bible says, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he is Elijah, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. Elijah went into the wilderness to give up his life, but God sent an angel to the wilderness to preserve his life. So the first thing that God does in our wilderness, in our discouraging moments is that he strengthens us write that down he strengthens us food is symbolic of strength and we see that here in this in this text the angel comes to give him food and water god will always feed what he is invested in in other words if he if he knows that there is an assignment over your life, if he's placed an assignment over your life, he will always strengthen you for that assignment. Because it's not so much about you, it's about what you carry. So isn't that something that here we are oftentimes praying for God to take us out of something, praying for God to remove us from something, praying for God to end something, and God says, actually, I'm just gonna give you some strength to endure it. And I'm not giving you strength to endure it because of you. I'm giving you strength to endure it because there's an assignment that you still have to fulfill. So the wilderness is a place of isolation our wilderness can be a place of depression it can be a place where we have suicidal thoughts it can be a place where we experience feelings of unworthiness inadequacy where we have doubts it's a it's a place where we often experience fear we experience loss pain despair discouragement it can be a place of loneliness we've all experienced seasons of wilderness in our life But how many of you today can say I have a testimony that even in the midst of my wilderness, God has never left me and he has also never forsaken me. You see, some of you were probably ready to throw in the towel, but all of a sudden you got a text from somebody one day that said, I am praying for God to strengthen you during this time. You were probably getting ready to give up and all of a sudden a verse popped up on your phone or you read somewhere the the verse where God says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. Maybe you were ready to give up even on attending church. You were like, I'm never gonna go to church again because I've been hurt by church. And somebody invited you to attend Hope Center online. And then here you felt the love, the warmth, and the embrace of people in a way that you've never felt it before. Maybe you were even ready to give up on your call at one point, but you tuned in today and never did you imagine that a little Dominican from Washington DC would be standing before you today to remind you that God has still called you, hand is still on you he still has a purpose and a destiny to fulfill through you that you are still the apple of his eye that he still loves you with an everlasting love and that there is an assignment over your life that still needs to be fulfilled so actually i want to take a moment to just release this word maybe for two people that are in the room, 10 people that are on YouTube, two people that are on Facebook, if you would receive it today. I wanna declare to you that your wilderness and the place where you are sitting in, your. Broom bush is not going to be your gravesite. As a matter of fact, God is sending his angels right now to administer new strength to you in the name of Jesus. God is sending his angels right now to lift you up, to feed your spirit today, so that you will continue to move forward in your assignment. This journey is too great for you. And because it's too great for you, God never called you to do it alone. The God who calls you will also be the God who provides for you. If he was able to provide food in the midst of a famine for Elijah, he surely will provide everything that you need to fulfill your assignment. If he was able to provide water in the midst of a wilderness, a desert for Elijah, he will surely supply everything that you need to fulfill your assignment. You will not die in this place, but you will live to see the goodness of God in the land of the living so the first thing is that he strengthens us the second thing is that he speaks to us in the midst of these times if we go to first kings chapter 19 verses 11 through 13 listen to what it says this is after Elijah has now eaten he's drunk he's uh he drank his his water he's eaten and now he went on a 40-day journey to mount Oreb also known as Mount Sinai, the the mountain of God. And so it says, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. the strong wind, the earthquake, and the fire, all were announcing the arrival of the Lord because they all came right before the soft, still voice, the small, gentle whisper. But here's what I want us to think about today. How often do we look for God in dramatic manifestations? We want to hear this loud audible voice. We want to see an angel descend from heaven. We want to get this this incredible life-changing vision. We want to see transfiguration, you know, everything right before our eyes. And so, so that we have the we have the ability to say, no, no, no. No like for real. That was God, right? But so often we find God in the less dramatic things. The problem is that it's hard for us to notice him because we're so consumed by the noise that's around us and the noise that's in our head. So this is why it's so important for us as believers to set aside some quiet time. This is why it's important for us to disconnect from the stuff. Disconnect from the music, disconnect from the technology, disconnect from the people, disconnect from the things that produce all of the noise that is around us. This is why it's so important to have a quiet space. Jesus himself, when he needed his time with God, it said he would go away, away from the noise in order to hear God speaking to his spirit. There are times when God will come to you when you don't expect him, like he did for Elijah when Elijah was ready to give up and surrender his life. He did so through an angel. But can I tell you that there are also times when God wants you to come to him. Elijah went to the mountain of God because he wanted to encounter God. In his moment of despair, he journeyed to the place where God was. I pose the question in your moment of despair how often do you journey to the place where God is? In your moment of frustration, how often do you run to the place where God is? In your moments of tension in your marriage, how often do you run to the presence of God? When you don't know what to do as a parent, how often do you run to the presence of God? When the situation at work is getting too difficult, how often do you run? the presence of God and not just that I love what Elijah did he was at the mountain of God but he didn't leave until God spoke to him so how often do you enter God's presence with an expectation that he will speak to you and you do not leave until he does because let's be honest We often sing beautiful songs during worship and we say, God, I don't want anything but you. I don't want anything but you. All I want is you, all I need is you. But we don't give God a moment to fill our spirits. We don't give God the space to speak to our hearts. So we come to him in order to alleviate the burden, but we don't leave with the rest. We come to alleviate ourselves with the tension, but we don't leave with his joy. We come to him to lay down uh, anything that is aggravating our spirits, but we don't leave with his peace. And so how often do we go to his presence and do all of the talking, but don't stay quiet enough, long enough, to wait for God to speak to us? Like Elijah, we often think there are only encounters can be in the grandiose moments of life. But God reminds us through this text and he also reminds Elijah that he more often is working subtly through moments, through conversations, through people, through experiences. I want you to know today that your extraordinary God can be found in the ordinary moments of your life. He can use different means to speak to you. I don't know about you if you're a parent, God has used my children to speak to me countless times. He can use a nature walk to speak to you because nature speaks of his glory. He can use a car ride to speak to you through a message, through a podcast, through the scenic route that you're taking. He can use a sign, a text message, a conversation with a friend, an impression that he places on your spirit, a compliment from a stranger to affirm you in your walk. God can use anything in your ordinary life to speak to you. So I wanna offer you today a different perspective that you are actually encountering God every single day. But your ears must be open, and your eyes as well opened and focused to find Him even in the ordinary things, in the small things, in the subtle things, because God cares about every aspect of our lives. So don't miss the daily moments in which God is quietly speaking to you. In conclusion, the question might be, all right, Pastor Fran, that's great. He's strengthening me, he's speaking to me, But, but why? I'm still feeling discouraged. It's not really changing anything. I wanna answer that question with the last point and with this I conclude. Because after you receive your strength and after you receive the word of the Lord and you recognize him in your daily walk, not just when major things happen but in your daily walk then he redirects you to your assignment in 1st Kings chapter 19 verses 15 through 16 the Bible says that after Elijah encountered God God then gives him his next assignment which is to anoint the next generation of leaders and successors so it's in times like this that God desires for us to remember that our assignment is bigger than ourselves. It's not just about us. And so just like Elijah, we tend to put up a lot of excuses when God asks us, well, what are you doing here? Why did you say yes to my call? We tend to put up a lot of excuses that start with I, because I, because I feel, because I want, because I, I, I. And so what God does after strengthening us and after speaking to us, he then redirects us. He takes the focus off of us and says, listen, this is, this was never about you. Let's focus on the assignment at hand. Your assignment has always been connected to people. Your assignment has always been connected to people. There are people right now, church, there are people right now that are depending on you and me to get ourselves together so that they can know the power of God that can save them, that can deliver them, that can heal them, and that can set them free. You may be the only glimpse, you may be the only glimpse that somebody has in this entire lifetime of hope. So. The reality is is that the reason why God lifts up a church body is because none of us as individuals can fulfill this mission alone. We need each other. And God desires for the church body to work together, not in faction, not divided, not, oh, because you're taking that person here and I'm taking that person. That's not the way that God designed us to work. As a body, we're supposed to work together to fulfill the mission. You were called for a time like this to stand in the gap between God and the heart of those who are hopeless. So as as a believer today, for the non-believer, you are the example of a perseverant faith. For those who are double-minded, you are the example of what it is to stand ground in the midst of opposition. For those who are silent and voiceless, you are the example of fighting for what is just and what is right. For the hurting, you are the example of love, of kindness and of mercy. For the feel fearful, you are the example of living a life poured out and fully surrendering to God despite how crazy the assignment might be or against all odds. For the lost, you are the example of hope in the world that is crying out for help right now. And for the one who is getting ready to throw in the towel. You are the example of what it is to get up and to keep on moving, even when everything on the inside of you tells you to stay and die under your broom bush. This is your time to rise up, church. I say this week after week after week, but it's because I believe it with everything that is on the inside of me that God is calling us for such a time as this to change the course and the narrative of this nation today. As the church, we are the answer. As the church, as a person who makes up part of the body, you are the answer. We can't do this alone, but together there is power in unity. So this is your time to rise up. This is the time in which God is strengthening you. He is speaking directly to you because he wants to redirect you to your assignment. Always remember that what is taking place around you has never been about you. It has always been about God fulfilling his agenda and his agenda is to reach people. You may not understand how your pain and how your loss is reaching people around you, but trust and believe that God is touching hearts. He is moving. He is saving people even today in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your loss, in the midst of your grief, and in the midst of your pain. God is still at work and he is still moving. We have to trust as a people, we have to trust that his plan and his purpose is far greater than our own. I know that oftentimes, like I said in the beginning, that is easier said than it is to believe. But it's in moments like this when God sends us a word to remind us that if He didn't leave us before, this isn't the time that He's going to leave us now. He is with you in the wilderness. He is with you in the storm. He is with you when you're hiding out in the cave. And He is with you even right now as you're getting ready to get up and continue to walk in your assignment. Once again, thanks so much for tuning into today's message. I pray that it was a blessing to you. I'm so glad that you were able to hear today's message, but can I tell you there's nothing like the live experience. Would you join us on a Sunday afternoon at 1.30? We meet at Greenbelt Middle, 6301 Breezewood Drive in Greenbelt, Maryland. And so I want you to be there. I want you to get connected. You can find out more information on our social media at My Hope Center on every platform. And also you can check out more information at myhopecenter.org. I hope to see you soon. So. Until then, peace, love, and God bless.